As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. If you're listening to this, thank you. Thanks for joining us. After Saturday, I think we would have all forgiven anyone for giving this a swerve. But this is Talk of the Devils, the Manchester United podcast. I'm Ian Irving. With us today, Laurie Whitwell and Andy Mitten. And also, Dimitar Berbatov later on in the show too. What a treat that's going to be. We're going to do our best. Okay, we'll mention Everton, but we're going to do our best to move past it and cheer people up, I think. We'll also get the very latest on the situation with Manchester United's search for a new manager, so it won't just be about those 90 minutes at Goodison Park that we'd all like to forget. Good morning, Laurie. You all right? Good weekend? I'm good, yeah. Not too bad. Well, I went to Aintree on Friday. Oh, yeah. Lost a load of money. Yeah. Uh, obviously, no good at horse racing, but it was fun. Get get dressed in a suit. And they've got a big hangar there that then they, they play live music in afterwards. That so was a bit of a disco, which was nice. an unusual 6, six till 7 p.m. kind of dancing show. Uh, but no, yeah, then obviously I had to go back to Merseyside the next day for the game at Goodison Park, which we will get on to. Yeah, if we have to, yeah. Good morning, Andy. You all right? I'm all right. If he's if he's going to mention the Grand National, my dream in that is not a winner or even a top ten place. It's my horse being mentioned once every time I bet on him. Like they pull up at the third, or you, you get you get halfway round. I think, jeez, and I'm not don't know. I thought you meant you actually had stud rights then for one of them or something. Yeah. Like it was actually your horse. I, I I wish, mate. It was thirty quid on an horse called Snow Leopardess, and she did absolutely nothing. I'd heard about her a week before <laughs> driving through Italy thinking, oh, this sounds like a good story. That's the extent of my knowledge. In answer to your question, I'm all right in Maine, but Manchester United depressed the life out of me. So let's <laughs> see where this podcast goes. Yeah, uh, before we do Everton, let's get the very latest then on Eric Ten Hag. David Ornstein's written about it in his column in The Athletic on Monday. Laurie, what is the latest? Yeah, it's, I suppose it's uh, an update in the talks are progressing you know that's the situation there's to and fro in terms of what Manchester United uh, put into the table Eric Ten Hag wants to hear from the club um, and, and we expect those negotiations to go on although there's a sense of optimism in, in what David Onstein's reporting um, in terms of a conclusion being reached you know fairly soon um, although there's a kind so of United key... fans shouldn't be nervous that this is it's not dragging on, is it? But, you know, it doesn't seem to be a straight line. I would have thought that if United have got their preferred candidate, go and sort it and, and just, you know, get it done. 
and, and announce it and and you know there we go at least there's some kind of impetus towards the end of the season because at the moment it feels like it's kind of dragging and drifting to a very unsatisfactory conclusion now I suppose the one caveat in that in what David Onsley's reporting as well is that United are alert as opposed to Ajax's fixtures and the fact they've got a uh, Dutch Cup final against PSV on uh, April the 17th coming up to so next Sunday um, which they kind of want to maybe pause an announcement until after that point. Um, I wasn't sure that this was a big deal, you know, the cup final, but spoke, speaking to a Dutch journalist and he says, actually, no, yeah, it's, it's kind of a lot of focus is on that with, with Ajax's rivalry with PSV, I suppose. So that that's kind of one interesting aspect to it all. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess we could keep your eyes peeled on the Athletic. We will we'll get updates as and when they happen. Okay. Um, you can read Nick Miller's take as well about whether Manchester United is the right move for Eric Ten Hag on The Athletic. Now, remember, new subscribers have the offer as well that you can subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a month for the first six months. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. You get full access to all our great writing on Manchester United and indeed the rest of football and ad-free versions of The Athletic's podcast as well, including this one. That's theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. Sign up now. Fantastic that we didn't have to speak one word about Everton. I love it. I know we've not done that bit yet. That's coming now. All right, okay. (laughs) Here we go. Sorry. Well, Andy, if Eric was watching Goodison Park on Saturday... He's got to sign tomorrow, isn't he? Eric, 10 pints. That's what we would have needed after watching that game. I did see that Ajax had a, a match, so his focus would have been uh, on the team where he's currently Well, he was employed. busy banning questions about Manchester United, wasn't he, actually? Yeah, I quite like the way that he, he banned them, actually. I think he's respectful to his current employers. He's got still got a job to do at Ajax. The league hasn't been won yet. They've got the cup final, which Laurie mentioned as well. But as a journalist, you've also got to ask questions when it's such a, such a big story. It was a thoroughly depressing performance. It was one of the worst. I keep seeing people say a new low and it's a new low. And I wasn't stunned by it. That's the sad thing about it. And David De Gea used a very strong word afterwards, said it was dis- disgraceful. And I think it was. With all that attacking talent, United are so poor. The confidence looks absolutely shot. And... Even though other teams are losing, United are doing themselves more damage in terms of getting in the top four. That now looks improbable. Still won't say it's completely out of the question, but I did Google the um, Europa Conference League to see what it entails at the weekend and some of the types of opponents that Manchester United could be getting. It really is a failure. It's a bad failure. This season has been so bad and these players are getting paid a lot of money and they can push it in any direction that they want. Fans are not stupid. They know what they see with their own eyes. And against a really poor Everton team, the worst Everton team I've seen for a long, long time, United still lost a match. It's pretty unforgivable. I think if United were to lose or go behind against Norwich at the weekend, you really could see the atmosphere turn. Mm. Because everybody's going round saying... This isn't good enough. This isn't good enough. Them players are still picking up a full wage. And I'm sure they don't want it to happen. Someone somewhere has got to take some responsibility. The lack of chances at Goodison Park, was it was alarming. And I keep hoping that we've hit bottom here. But then we do another podcast. <laughs> and then, You're saying these, these podcasts are the bottom, No, Andy? I'm not. But I'm looking at, you know, <laughs> going to Anfield next week and then going to Arsenal and... 
thinking one United fan said at the weekend, Liverpool will be looking at that as an opportunity to increase their goal difference. I'm like, is, <laughs> has, has, it, has it really come to this? Got five at Old Trafford. Well, Neda Manua, the former City defender I was working with on Friday, and he was saying that he had real hope that the Liverpool-United match at Anfield was going to be the actual game that decided the title and, and not the game on Sunday. And then I saw him pre-match on Sunday and he said, I'll take it back. Um, I, don't, I don't really have any faith that that game is going to decide the title. Um, part of me wants to just move on, Laurie, but I think we should talk about it a bit more because you've written about it, of course, on The Athletic. And the focus is switching a little bit onto Ralph Rangnick now as well, isn't it? The players have had it for long enough. It seems like the interim manager is getting it now. You described it as a desperate failure, his interim period. Well, I think that's the case. If If they end up... You know, having gone out of the Champions League in the last 16, um, having not won a game in the Champions League, by the way, um, and finishing, what is it, sixth at the moment? You know, it could even be worse um, at the end of the season. Um, the whole interim idea seems to be pointless to me because the idea was that you might have somebody in, in terms of Ralph Ranić, instilling some kind of um, approach, some kind of style that then the next manager could pick up and, and, and shift on. That, that's not going to happen, is it? I mean, that's I don't think that's necessarily his fault. I think he's realised that he's had to uh, amend his his what he would ideally like his players to do because of the personnel there. Um, or, or the other alternative to having an interim was that it, gives you, it gave Manchester United time and space to go and do the full diligence or, or, or kind of find exactly who they wanted as their next manager. And ultimately, it looks like, you know, the, the end two were the two guys that they were talking about in November, really, for being permanent manager. So could they have just done it then? I don't know. I mean, maybe they, they've solidified their uh, approach to who they're going to have as the manager and they're you know, properly convinced of it now and, and they're going to go forward and, and back him, absolutely. But otherwise, I, I don't really see what the point of the interim was unless it was because they, you know, sacked all the Gunnar Solskjaer without a plan and just thought, we, we need somebody in there right now because the games are coming thick and fast. I mean, a couple of points I make is that, you know, in terms of the coaches, you know, they weren't actually Ralph Rangnick's first choices. So that was a kind of, a, a kind of, a situation where because of the way that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer left the club they had to kind of act quickly to, to get those guys in um, and and also I suppose I reflected on the fact that Chelsea had done this you know three times I think Bayern Munich even did it um, get, get an interim in until the end of the season they had success when they did it because they had dressing rooms that were strong I think and self-governing and whereas this is you've got an interim manager with a load of players that are kind of thinking different ways about the club you know in terms of the bench you had three players that are out of contract in the season and two teenagers, two goalkeepers. I mean, it's, it's got to a, a, a quite staggering level fairly quickly. Um, and just on that match in particular, um, you know, the fact that they had Everton there, Everton, vulnerable as anything. You know, they, they got beat 3-2 by Burnley, gifting them the goals. And being in that stadium as well, you sensed it was it was actually a decent-ish start for United. You know, Rashford, a couple of chances. And Ronaldo at one point um, dispossessed Allen. And the atmosphere in the stadium at that point was they were getting on edge. They were properly Just before they scored. It was literally it was just sort before of turning, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 And then the goal, you know, deflected goal, changes the game. And from that point, United were pretty pathetic, weren't they? I mean, there just seemed to be no coordination, no kind of impetus. The substitutions, I think, were, were odd again. Juan Mata for his first Premier League appearance. Um, Anthony Langer, Marcus Rashford. I know he wasn't perfect and we've criticised him on this podcast, but he had he looked like the best goal threat um, for Manchester United. So that's why I think you, you, you can you, you can ask questions of Ralph Rangnick. You know, he is the manager in this situation and it goes bigger than him. Clearly it does because you've got a structure there at Manchester United 
coming down from the Glazer family, their motivations for owning the club, you know, through Richard Arnold, John Murta, Darren Fletcher. I mean, when Cristiano Ronaldo booted that ball at the end, he nearly took Darren Fletcher's head off. It just whistled past him. And I thought that as an emblem of Manchester United, imagine, you know, the star striker taking out the technical director with this kind of wild, angry swipe. Um, and that then, you know, fed into what he did after the game, which we've reported on The Athletic in terms of slapping that phone out of a young fan's hand, which is unacceptable, but also speaks to the kind of anger that he's carrying around with him. You know, you could see that he was furious on the pitch. And is that, you want that, but is it is it totally healthy? It just, it feels like there's so many different parts moving in so many different directions at United that whoever the new manager is, is going to have a hell, hell of a task on his hands. Do you think United have just wasted half a season, Andy? Yeah, if you're asking us to score Ralph Rangnick, I think he doesn't score well at the moment. And we'd be the first to praise and give credit. As Laurie said with regards to his coaches, and we covered it extensively at the time, but people didn't want to hear that at the time. When I said that Kieran and Martin Pert and Michael Carrick had gone and that wasn't in the plan when Ralph arrived, people didn't want to hear that because you've got shiny new manager syndrome. And I'm seeing that now with Eric Ten Hag. People think that he's going to be this saviour and he's just going to return Manchester United to greatness like that because he's clearly a very good manager. But I really worry that this cycle is going to keep on repeating itself and as Laurie said, people pulling in different directions. Yes, Everton's been an awful place in the last decade. Before that, United had the most incredible record against Everton. But Ollie's team got beat 4-0 there. David Moyes basically lost his job there as well. Saturday was awful against an awful Everton team. Juan Mata coming on, it's odd. I actually don't think he did that badly. I thought he was one of the better players when he came on. Marcus Rashford, you're right. Has he come off the bottom? You know, a couple of things where you're thinking, but we we are scraping the barrel so much here. This is Manchester United here, and as the interim manager appointment, does it look like it's worked? No, no, it doesn't at all. I'm sorry, but going out the FA Cup at home to Middlesbrough is not good enough. I'll get angry about that game in Madrid against Atletico. As whenever I think about it, it was a disgrace that performance against the team who were shot at the time. And all right, you go out against Atletico and it was narrow in the end, but that first half there was appalling. The preparation for that game was appalling. And we're seeing a team who are seventh in the table, getting worse, not getting any better out of all the cup competitions. And at the same time, we're seeing all of our rivals playing really well, competing for cups, competing for titles. So no one's got a divine right to win anything. You, you take the highs with the lows of football fan. There's nothing worse than a Man United fan who's attracted to the club because of glory, a glory hunter, and thinks this is like, it should be like this all the time. No, I'm sorry. To appreciate the highs, you have to experience the lows, and there's plenty to experience at the moment. Okay, enough. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Well, this is a treat and something to take our minds off things at the moment. We're joined now by Dimitar Berbatov, of all people. Dimitar, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, you come on to talk about many things, but I think we should start with a Legends match that you're going to play in against Liverpool on May the 21st. How much are you looking forward to being back at Old Trafford? Hello to everyone. Uh, of course, it's uh, a great to be coming back to Old Trafford. Uh, it's for a great cause, obviously, with, with Manchester United Foundation. Uh, I hope and I know that the stadium is going to be full. And me personally, as you can see, I have my own foundation. Uh, it's 14 years old now and I am supporting young, talented kids in Bulgaria. So I fully understand uh, this cause and I support it. And that's why I'll be there to play in the game. Uh, of course, it's going to be great to be back and see the boys, some of my old teammates as well, have a laugh, have a banter, you know, and then step onto the pitch, smell the grass score against Liverpool again, you know, that's, it'll be great. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure a lot of people are looking forward to seeing you back as well. I mean, what about locking horns with Liverpool? It, it's nice for United fans this, because it'll bring back memories of when we were better than them. <laughs> yeah, it's, in a way, in a way, it's a, it's a great feeling to uh, test yourself now that we are a bit older, you know, but still the class is there, uh, and play and test yourself against your rival. Uh I was saying before that when you have a games like this who are for a great cause, you still want to win it. So this never disappears. You want to win. You want to win. And especially when you play against Liverpool, everybody will be uh, there and pumped to go and, and, and win that game. Uh, and uh, entertain, of course, because this was what my game was based about, to entertain uh, the people. Another hat trick. Well, why not? You know, now I'm 41, but still keep in shape. So let's see what happens. <laughs> Is that your best memory in the United shirt, that hat-trick against Liverpool? Well, it's up there with the best, probably, because people automatically uh, jump to that game because it's against Liverpool. You know, it was against some other team, probably was not going to be um, so highly regarded in, in football world. But because it's against Liverpool, uh, probably the biggest game, uh, well, when you score a hat-trick, uh, then it's a lot of weight on, on that goals. And as I said before, it was great that we won it because you would finish in a draw. And it's a different story. You know? When you win a game like this, it's more special. I bet you've not had to buy a drink in Manchester since, have you, Demi? No, because, listen, I'm not cheap. You know, I go, I pay everything I go. I don't want people to buy me anything because this was my opportunity to entertain when I go onto the pitch. You know, this is from me. Just enjoy and try to copy if you can. Often we talk about drinks on the show, actually, Dimitar, and our favourite tipple. Uh, I just wondered if you're, if you're in a bar, do you have a favourite drink that you go for? No, uh, to be honest, I never drink, drink in my life. And, and still to this day, I'm, I'm not uh, someone who, who drinks, to be honest. Uh, and when someone is telling me, let's grab a beer or something like this, I'm like, what? Not drink beer or anything like that. I'm, stick to water. Well, you look like you're in good shape as well. So I suppose that'll stand you in good stead for the foundations we match. should take note here Laurie, shouldn't we yeah yeah absolutely um when you said you get together with your old teammates i wondered how much do you discuss the old days and, and what was so special about those sir alex ferguson teams and then what the current situation is at united how, how much do you kind of chat about that well it's it's inevitable when you get with your teammates to chat about the past uh it's a bit romantic nostalgic you know you're 
reminisce of old times. Uh, do you remember that? Do you remember this and this goal and this game and stuff like this? And it's a good way to 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 remind yourself what it was. But at the same time, you need to look forward. You know, you need to look forward and adjust with times. Uh, in the case of United, um, now times are different. Football is different from when I, from, from when I used to play. Uh, titles are not so often as well, which is the sad part. And this is where everybody should be concerned and start working towards that because, uh, as I said, a manager is different, uh, players are different. Uh, so at the moment, it's not the same as it was, but hopes die last, as we say here in Bulgaria. Do you think it's difficult going to a club like Manchester United? I mean, you obviously made that transition from Tottenham, the, the scale of the place, the kind of scrutiny that you get. With with modern day football being as it is now and the kind of eyeballs from social media and what have you, do you think it's a particularly difficult challenge to go to Manchester United as a player or, or even as a new manager? It is difficult. Let me tell you, it's, it can be intimidating. I was intimidated when I stepped foot into the dressing room full of winners and everybody there. And I was like, oh my God, you know? I was confident of what I was doing on the pitch, but at the same time, this was something different. This was uh, the next level, the last level in my, in my in my development, and I was intimidated, you know. And I was uh, keeping to myself because I was a bit more private, uh, which was which was was a mistake. Because if I can go back, I was going to be more open with my teammates and everything. But I was like that back then, and uh, intimidated a bit, like doubting myself from time to time. But everybody was so great in trying to put me into the team straight away and welcome me. Uh, so everybody was was great. But now it's even more difficult, in my opinion, because as you mentioned, social medias uh, and you, in a way, you don't have a private life. You are out there for everybody to see you. And if you have a what bad game, a bad pass, a missed goal, people will let you know about that. And you cannot escape that criticism. And we are all human beings, and that can affect your your performance uh, for the next game or for the season in a way uh, so you need to be strong in your head because this is your profession you're paid for to do this to, to do this and you, you need to know the challenges ahead of you and just on your move from Tottenham to Manchester United, it was obviously deadline day. There was lots of talk about it at the time. Manchester City were in for you. There's a famous song about you and, and what you might have said to Manchester City at that time. Um, I just <laughs> do, you, do you have any second thoughts on that? I mean, what was that period like for you? Uh, can I swear here on that? Yeah, yeah. You're allowed to swear. You can. <laughs> that was a true story because um, I can be really direct when I wanted to be. And uh, as I said before, uh, I follow my own path and along the way, of course, there are going to be people who are disappointed in my decision, uh, like the Spurs fan where when I decided to go and follow my dream. Uh, but then uh, getting close to that dream, we get that call from City, uh, um, of course, uh, asking and, and giving um, uh, their proposition to my agent. And he was looking at me and like, what do you think? And I'm like, just fuck off we're going to I mean uh, this is what my dream is about this is the badge the shirt the managers the players the history the trophies you know this is I'm coming from a small country and this is small moment for me uh, this is important moment for me sorry to and I need to grab it with my both hands and not let it go because it's not, it's not gonna happen again for me and it was just one direction for me all the way 
Dimitar, there's been rumours that you were kidnapped by Sir Alex Ferguson. It doesn't sound like they're true. Well, he, he did <laughs> he did wait for me on the airport, which I was very surprised to see. And I was shocked because, as I said, it can be intimidating. Uh, and uh, especially for me, uh, going and stepping out of the plane and all of a sudden, bam, you see Sir Alex. And, and I'm like, what the, you know, like, what do I say? How, how do I look? What If I say something, how am I going to sound? I must sound stupid and I must sound naive. And you start all these questions to ask yourself. But he was great and he drove us to the, to the base, uh, to the Carrington. And, you know, in the car, you can imagine how it was like a movie. I was just sitting there and what do I say? What do I say? What do I say? You know? But you got in the car out of your own choice. He didn't force you to get in the car. That was your choice, yeah? Believe me, even if I was intimidated, uh, if it wasn't my choice, I can easily say, you know, fuck off, I'm not getting here or there. But this was so perfect day for me, exhausting, nervous. But in the end, it finished, uh, it finished so well for me because this was, this was my top. This was my personal top. You talk about the allure of Manchester United. Do you still feel that like that's the case? You know, we've got, for example, someone like Harry Kane at Tottenham. A lot of speculation about whether Manchester United might try and sign him. He, you know, he's coming from Tottenham. He, he wants to play in the Champions League and win titles. Do you think there's still that allure for, for someone like him? And also, I know there's quite difficult negotiations between Manchester United and Spurs in the past. Daniel Levy, a tough negotiator. I just wondered your reflections on all that and, and what you think might the current situation be. Well, for me, personally, I am a bit biased here because I played for United. So sometimes my judgment can be clouded because I used to play for United. But the fact is that United is still one of the best clubs and the biggest club in the world. The results has not been the same since Alex Ferguson left. That's the only difference. Uh, I think that the squad is full, full of talent because one way or another, the titles, titles um, are not there. But I need to believe that it's gonna, sooner or later they're going to come back. Now, if you put a player in the case of Harry Kane, and you make them choose between United, City and Liverpool, probably looking at what is happening in the moment, unfortunately, maybe he's going to choose the other two teams, for example. But uh, as I said, I play for United. I know what the badge means. And I know that sooner or later, that success will come back again, for sure. Uh, in case of Harry Kane, I mean, and let me tell you, he's probably the best, the best in his position right now. Him and Lewandowski, I, I, I love watching them. What are they doing? Uh, especially Hurricane, getting deep, getting the ball, and then the people run, making the runs, and he supplied with the with the, that finish um, ball like Kevin De Bruyne is doing. He's unbelievable. Do you think that he would fit in with Manchester United style? You know, for the the money that he might cost, do you think it's, it makes sense for them to try and do that? I think he's going to fit in every big club around the world. Just the way he plays football, you can see easily that. Uh, the way he controlled the ball, the way he turned with the ball, with ease, no panic, everything is calculated. You know, you can smell the football is there just by watching it. You know, I can see it for sure he's there. So he's going to have no problem going to a place and, and play. I would like him to stay in England for sure. Uh, what he's going to do, we're probably going to watch another soap opera in the summer. <laughs> but this football... Speaking of soap operas and speaking of people that look like they might be going to Man City and then ended up signing for Manchester United, your old teammate, Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, came to Manchester United. He made his return. Um, I just wonder, what, what have you made of that comeback and, and you know how his season's gone? Well, I was, I was surprised probably as everybody else, but I was uh, pleasantly surprised because uh, to, give, to have a legend, an icon of football going back to United, it's a special thing. 
Uh, of course, he's a bit older, more mature now. His game is a bit different. But he's 37 and he scored 18 goals so far, which must be remarkable to play in the biggest, uh, biggest um, league and best league in the world at 37 and score so many goals. I, I must uh, admit that this is impressive. This is impressive. Uh, so for me, uh, he's doing the right thing. He's scoring goals. Uh, he's still getting angry when the team is not playing well and he's losing, which shows a passion still there. So I think uh, he can play another two or three years, for sure. Dimitar, what position are you going to play in this game at Old Trafford? And the reason I ask that, why are you <laughs> laughing? Because I went to see a, a couple of footballers last week who played against you and one of them told me that in training you played as a central defender yeah. yeah and i'd not heard that before and he said it used to bring the ball out and try and beat people so are we going to see you as a central defender against the scousers at old trafford well let me tell you something i was like uh, beckenbauer and barezi put into one you know like a center back <laughs> and uh the reason for me doing that was because my father used to be a center back uh, I have it in my blood as well. I, I used to play for United in official games against Leeds. I don't know if any of, any of you watched that game against Leeds for, uh, for a cup. I, I go in the back uh, and play for a centre-back because we get the player sent off or something like this. Uh, and we won that game. They didn't score. So this shows you how good I can be at the centre-back. But at the training, I was doing it on purpose because I wanted to be a centre-back to see how the defenders are thinking when the people are attacking them. So then I can use them against them when I play in my normal position. You know, there was always a plan to my uh, thinking or maybe crazy methods at times. Is that where that one against West Ham came from, that, that crazy move by the byline? No, this was just pure improvisation in the moment uh, of thinking, uh, what do I do? What do I do? Because I see the ball is going to the byline, it's going to go out. And then it's a matter of, why you're running to think what you're going to do. And when that moment comes to do, you just do it. You don't even, at that exact moment, you don't even know what you're doing. Uh, and because my, my game was based on improvisation and technique and just entertainment, it was more easy for me to do stuff like this. You know, if someone else, maybe they were going to look a bit stupid and nothing will, will, will happen. But in my case, my body was adjusted to move like this and it was more easy for me. What do you make of Cavani as a player? I'm not on about Cavani of this season, but the player who's played so well for many years. As a striker, what's a striker's opinion of him and the, the, the way that he's played? Only respect for uh, someone like Cavani because I watched him a lot when he played for Napoli, PSG. And then I was happy for him to go, to go to United as well because he brings the goals. He brings the maturity. He brings uh, no... Uh, how do you say that in English? No selfishness. He's, because I, I watch how he plays. He, he's always about looking for the position that he helps the team, either by scoring a goal or making a space or giving that assist to someone else. And I can see sometimes how he gets angry during games when more young players are doing the mistakes and he tries to help them and correct them and maybe express himself and, and telling them this is not the right way. You should, you should do it like this. And the goals he scored is unbelievable. And I love him as a player, to be honest. When did you last go back to your hometown to see your friends, uh, Ivan and uh, Ivan? <laughs> and do you, do you still have a reputation there? Because uh, you said when you were a kid that 
word spread about you, the street footballer. You said it was like word spread on the streets into your town and into other towns. You walked into school with your chest out. You were the main man on the street. Does that still apply or do you only know two people there now? Listen, this never dies. Even if you don't play football, streets never forget stuff like this, you know? So I was I was very good at street football. This is how I get my technique, my touch, my everything. And until this day, I still play uh, five or six aside football games with my friends. Don't have time to go so much to my hometown. Uh, I go sometimes to see my mom. Didn't have a chance to see these two friends you mentioned, Ivan and Ivan, because uh, unfortunately, when the life goes on, sometimes you part, separate differently. And uh, it is sad, but sometimes it happens. But I have very fond memories about this, especially playing football at, at, uh, at schools, uh, at the streets. And I did walk with my chest high because I know I was good enough on, on that kind of football, to be honest. You mentioned street football there, Dimitar. And just one other striker that I'd quite like to ask you about is Marcus Rashford, who you know, honed his skills on the streets of Withenshaw. Um, he's had a bit of a difficult season after an incredible start to his Manchester United career. What do you make of it? Do you see the confidence perhaps not being quite there to try those kind of things that you did on the pitch? Uh, I for sure see that the confidence is um, is missing in a way that you can you can just see it when he's moving around the pitch and touching the ball or going around and looking for the space. Uh, I hope and sincerely hope that he's going to find that uh, form uh, that he has inside him because he's a great talent. I love watching him uh, and I love uh, knowing that he uh, had some of his quality playing on the streets and, and, and getting from the academy to the first team. This is this is like a fairy tale that you want to happen to you. And I, uh, I hope that he's going to get back to the form that he had before. And I'm sure it's going to happen sooner or later. And I always like players like this when, uh, like myself, I know that uh, I had my quality playing on the, on the streets, in the schools, every day when I was growing up. Um, battling with my with my peers or even bigger bigger men than me, just going with my dad around the villages and getting smacked in the face uh, everywhere. And <laughs> people just don't give a fuck about that. Just get up, boy. You know you're gonna be fine. <laughs> and this is something you don't appreciate at the moment. This is something you appreciate when you look back and you're like, this is what helps me to get stronger. You know. And you mentioned angriness there of, of Ronaldo, of Cavani, and, and clearly that is a great motivator for a lot of teams. You know, I'm sure that Alex Ferguson teams of the past had a lot of anger through them in, in the right way. Is that ever an issue? Is there a balance there between how much anger you kind of transmit or, or kind of the way that you communicate to teammates how you want the ball or, or what you want to do? Well, this is something that uh, needs to be there. Uh, but, but you never take that personal. If you take it personal, it's not good for you. This is strictly football-wise. This is stays on the pitch or the training ground. Because I remember when we when we play uh, games in the training session uh, and we have two teams with 10 players facing each other and everybody wants to win. There was a fight. There was a swearing. There was a kick. Peter was kicking the shit every, about everyone, you know. Uh, the, the referee was one of the, of, the, of the second coaches. The moment he blew a foul, <laughs> and then there was an uh, there was other team was thinking it was an off foul. Everybody was on top of him. At one point, he doesn't want to, <laughs> to be a referee anymore. You know everything because everybody wanted to win. But this stay on the pitch. The moment the training is finished, we are friends again. We 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 hug each other. You know, and then you bring that attitude to the game. 
And again, it starts about football, not in personal. Because if I get mad, every time Skosi or Gixi or Rio was screaming at me, <laughs> no, you, you, you see what they're saying, you start doing it, then you can give them back at them, you know, if they're not doing something that they're supposed to do, and only because you want to win. If you don't care, and if you don't love what you're doing, you'll be like, well, you know, whatever, good mate, good mate, you're going to do next time, you know, stuff like this. But you need to have fire. You're talking about fire, but your hobby, you once said, was to paint and to draw as a form of relaxing. If you had to paint or draw one of your goals, because you said that you did it from memory, which one would it be? And which of your former teammates would you most like to paint? I don't want you to mistake in my, uh, my um, if you want, guys, <laughs> that I don't have fight in them, you know? Trust me, uh, some, some people will say uh, that my game was based on improvisation and more easy going and stuff like this, but that fire get me to Manchester United and, and when I needed to say something or do something, I was doing it. And when you have us, because football at the highest level is very stressful, that's for sure. You put a stress and expectation on yourself, other people are putting stress and expectation on you. And one of the reasons I was drawing because I was kind of relaxing like that, listening to music, then two, three hours just painting something and just relax, taking my mind at ease. And if I can draw a goal of mine, it's not going to be a goal. It's going to be the better spin for sure. Perfect. And which are the, which are the players finally in your, in your career or managers? Because Top Moller was a really distinctive looking fella. Would it be a hard man like Vidic? Would it be Ferguson? Who would you like to paint a portrait of? Now, if I if I go deep into the question, I'm going to come with two or three names. But now when you ask me, the first name that it comes to my mind, I'm going to say it. And that's Martin Yo, my, my ex-coach. You know, I just had a good and special relationship with him. And on top of that, he looked my, my late granddad, you know, when I saw him for the first time. And, you know, sometimes when you see people who remind you of someone who you, who you lost, you just like them, you know, and... This is what happened with me and him. And honestly, he he just believed in me all the way up. You just better you do whatever you gotta do. I know that you can, you know, you can be special and you know how to play football. I don't need to tell you anything. Uh, and he had that face and out of like, you know, Berba, you okay. So I, I just I just and I did paint him to be honest, but not with paint, with with a pencil. <laughs> Fantastic. That seems like a brilliant way to leave it. I know Manchester United fans are looking forward to you bringing your artistry and fire back to Old Trafford for that match on the 21st of May. Tickets are available now on sale at manunited.com forward slash legends. It's Manchester United against Liverpool. And Dimitar Berbatov will either be centre forward or centre back. We await to see. But it's been great to have you on, Dimitar. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much, Lou. Shea's ball in.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? I hope you enjoyed that as much as me, Laurie and Andy. We had a huge grin on our faces through the majority of that for very different reasons as we went along. Uh, It's a brilliant cause as well, of course, that match. All proceeds are going to the Manchester United Foundation and Berbatov's not the only former Manchester United player returning that will be of interest. Diego Forland's back, which is brilliant, especially considering it's against Liverpool. I believe John O'Shea's playing for the first time in one of these Legends games for United. Patrice Evra's back. They've confirmed that Paul Scholes will be playing as well. So it's going to be a great lineup, Andy, isn't it? Yeah, and those players are really looking forward to it as well. Diego Forlan has only been back to Manchester once since leaving. And that was for an anniversary due for Sir Alex Ferguson. He didn't go to Old Trafford. He he was in and out. So he's coming back with his wife, Paz, and their 62 kids to fill the Old Trafford capacity. And he's buzzing for it. And I think that's really nice to see with a lot of the former players. uh, A chance to savour again because Paul Scholes probably goes to Old Trafford twice a month. But... Uh, Diego Forlan doesn't and there's there's really good players there this is like a new generation of of legends with respect to some of the lads who, who are not going to be playing they're, they're fit lads Ever is still really really fit Paul Scholes will probably still be the best player when he's 71 so Berbatov looked fit as well didn't he there's not an ounce of fat on him his face is as as, as slim as it was when he was playing he, he really looks after himself and he did as a player and I think that one of the reasons these lads got to the top in the generation that they did was because the, but their bodies were their temples. They, they didn't drink amaretto, basically. They, did, they didn't drink, actually. One of them said to me recently, uh, the only time we drank was uh, when we were winning trophies. So actually, thinking about it, we were drinking all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Good life. That just depressed me. Yeah, it went down well that question, Laurie, didn't it? <laughs> I know he kind of kind of shot me down there, didn't he? I was hoping he might open up on some Bulgarian sophisticated cocktail, but no, uh, don't drink tap water. Bang. Although he, he did he did used to have a old cheeky fag, didn't he, back in the day, Dimitar? Um, yeah, so, I think I've seen some pictures of that actually. Yeah, but he looks very lithe, doesn't he? He looks like he could still do the Berber turn, no problem, uh, and embarrass some Liverpool defenders, hopefully. Yeah, painting that was an interesting shout as well, wasn't it? Martin Yoll is a caricature of a man as well. That would be brilliant to do. <laughs> He's a perfect type of person to do that. Um, speaking of random tipples from Eastern Europe, Andy, what have you been drinking with Nemanja Vidic to write this article? 
it's just something that was really, really strong. Um, he put it on the table. Imagine walking into a restaurant in Serbia, in Belgrade with Vidic. He's like the king of the country. He's the best player in recent <laughs> years. And he walks in. He's not got a table booked. He, he looks really dapper. He's got a big umbrella. And everyone obviously clocks in. The whole restaurant turns around. He's like, where do you want to sit? I'll just be over there by the table, please. And he has these things put in front of me. And I'm told to drink it. And like when I don't knock it back in one... He's looking down on me like like I'm a like I'm a lightweight. Not not that he's a big drinker. So he's saying like, don't go out much. Going to enjoy this because I'm not going out much these days. And I end up spending seven or eight hours uh, with him. And it was a Serbian drink which was for Raki. Raki. It was it was Raki that we were drinking. Yeah. He gave it a slightly different name, uh, Raki something. There'll be people listening to this in that part of the world who know what it is. Um, they've probably got their own like slight version of it. Correct. I think around that sort of part of Europe, there's there's probably different versions slightly. Yeah. So I I took a sip of it and, and I just rocket fuel, and, and then just like, why are you taking a sip of it? So I knocked six of them back, stood up, and offered everyone out, and it, everything went well. <laughs> you did well to stand up, Andy. Let alone speak. Blimey. <laughs> but he was. I've had that, fun. you know. You've had racket. I've had yeah. that racket. Yeah. Well, been in, we went went Belgrade for a Wales game. You know when uh, Aaron Ramsey did the Penenka in that stadium where the Penenka was first done by the by Penenka. Oh, I like yeah. that. An, an ode to the past from Ramsey. Yeah. I don't. I don't think Ramsey knew what he was the, the, the <laughs> significance of what he was doing. No. Um, but afterwards, and Nemanja Matic was there that night, uh, and I think he was sort of still. Uh, in the midst of potentially moving to United, I think maybe. But um, we went out that night. Yeah, had a bit of racky. Had a great night. There's like bars on the on the riverside, isn't there? Uh, where you can sort of party till like sunrise, and that's what we did. It was it was great with the Wales fans. And then we went back with United, obviously with Partizan Belgrade. And I tried to uh, re- reenact this event with some of the lads that cover Manchester United uh, and <laughs> got them down there. Uh, and everything was shut. And the only way to get back to the city centre was via some dodgy taxis. There was like a load of them all lined up. We were I like, bet you were gonna... popular, weren't you? Yeah, it, it wasn't my best uh, endeavour, you know, Pied Piper trying to lead people through the streets of Belgrade. <laughs> In the end, the guy tries to charge us a ridiculous fortune and we sort of just chuck a bit of money at him and leg it. <laughs> it was it was not, uh, he sort of saw us coming and, and thought, trust me, we did pay for the appropriate amount of travel, I, I do believe. Say, yeah, yeah. We didn't run from a taxi unfairly, but uh, yeah, it was an entertaining one. But Raki was the fuel for it beforehand. Yeah, I mean, if you had, the Serbian officials on your back. Andy knows someone who might be able to sort it out. I think. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Belgrade waterfront. Yeah, there are certainly some sites down there. That's being developed uh, by the chairman of Manchester City. So Vidic was at the recent Manchester derby, and he's watching it as a fan, and he's he's a bit upset because his allegiances are red. And the chairman of City, the main man, sought him out at half time. He's like, Belgrade, I'm investing in Belgrade. I'm investing in Belgrade. And Vidic is just like, I'm just watching Guardiola at the moment. I'm just trying to study tactics in, in, in my head. But it's, it's a good city and um, it's a big football city. The atmosphere at Red Star Partizan is incredible. And Berbatov and, and Vidic, because of their Slavic connections, they, they get on really well. So they weren't perceived to be the most sociable of people when they played at Manchester United. But actually, I think their personalities are really starting to come out now that they've They've stopped playing, and maybe the listeners will will agree with that. Having just listened to to Berbatov, yeah, definitely. And your articles on the Athletic, the interview with Vidic Andy at the moment, people have read it already. If they haven't, go and check it out. It's a fascinating read. People have picked out the Harry Maguire quotes and have spun them a little bit, though, haven't they? Do you want to clarify exactly what Vidic said about it? Yeah, the man Vidic did not demand that Harry Maguire was dropped. It's just he didn't urge 
that Harry Maguire should be dropped. I simply asked him about uh, Harry Maguire and he said sometimes when you're in that situation, it's good to take a couple of games out. And he, he gave really practical advice. It just reads completely sensibly in the context of the piece. But had you read some of the clickbaity headlines, he actually sent one to me. Uh, so I'll, re- I'll read it out. So, I mean, I mean, I can laugh about it now because it's not that serious, but it can be frustrating as a journalist because you take time to build up these relationships. I flew to Belgrade. It took a lot of time and effort, and it's a 4,000-word it's a piece. And look at the comments. People appreciate the fact that he was so, so open with it. And he gave a really sensible appraisal of, of Harry Maguire, and that gets repeated, and he sent this to me as Manchester United legend Nemanja Vitic urges Ralph Rangnick to drop, drop in capital letters, Harry Maguire, and incredibly suggests he should play only in the easier games. Now, trust me, from the horse's mouth, having sat next to him when he said those things, he didn't urge anything. He gave an intelligent and balanced answer. And sometimes, if he's not going to do that next time, you can almost understand why if his stuff's going to be taken out of context and twisted I, I, I'm not particularly worried about that sometimes I get pissed off when people take stuff from my interviews because people have said a lot lot stronger stuff about Harry Maguire on, on mainstream TV in, in recent weeks and I don't think the man is particularly concerned about it either but it, yeah, just this idea that he sat there demanding drop him now former player you are a disgrace it was anything but <laughs> as subscribers to The Athletic will be able to see yeah. with uh, with their eyes when they read the piece. Yeah, go and check it out. It's on there now. Don't forget, if you're not a subscriber, you can subscribe now to The Athletic for just £1 a month for the first six months. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. That's it then. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope Dimitar managed to take your mind off the weekend. It was difficult to get past that first part of the podcast, certainly. We'll be back Thursday to preview the match against Norwich at Old Trafford. And we're off now for a nice glass of water. Thank you, Dimitar. See you next time. Bye-bye. The Athletic.